0: OK, welcome back. So, you know, while Humboldt is making all the headlines now around the world, the shock of this uh, enormous loss. I mean, you've got to think of what it would be like to be part of that very, very small uh, group whose job was to run in and help. Imagine what they would have been confronted with. And we're talking about a very cold, very dark and isolated place broken, of course, by the sounds of panic, a lot of fear, pain. As volunteer firefighters, EMS, doctors, nurses, everyday people, you know, ran in and tried to save lives. Here's the reaction from uh, the pastor who was on scene, Sean Brando. His, there, here's his takeaway.
1: And walked up and on a scene that I never want to see again. To sounds I never want to hear again. I just feel so lost. And to go to the hospital and walk around and, and just hear groaning and panic and fear and distress and pain and just nothing but darkness
0: so what you see on the news and what you hear about is this, the very sanitized version of what the actual events would have been like and i think as the shock for these first responders starts to wear off it's going to be replaced by a whole lot of pain. I want to bring uh, Vince Savoya into this conversation. He is with Tema, which is an organization set up by first responders, him mainly, whose work leads them right into the horrors like Humboldt and who now have PTSD and try to help others. Vince, your post-traumatic stress disorder is a result of a murder scene that you attended many, many years ago where a young woman named Tema Counter, Counter, uh was brutally killed by a sex offender, and that was... Um, you know, an unforgettable moment that cost you. Can you imagine what the first responders would be going through when they get to something like the situation we're watching unfold in Saskatchewan?
1: Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, Alex, it's, it's unimaginable. Um, there, there would be so many different thoughts going through their heads at, at any given time that uh, um, I just can't imagine what it would be like to be there.
0: You know, we're talking dead of winter, very isolated Place. It would have taken, yeah. I think, a long time for those um, emergency responders to get there. And you can, you know, we hear from the pastor who talks about um, that he never wants to see something like that again. What yep. what goes on when you get to a scene like that, that there's so much calamity um, and you know that lives are going to be lost?
1: Oh, well, um, it, it's, it's a strange sort of environment. You know, the first two or three crews in, Really don't have any idea as to what they're uh, attending to, and and their job would be to triage the scene and to try to determine how many other you know vehicles, ambulances, fire or personnel would be required, for example. Um, and even though you might be the fifth, the sixth, or the tenth unit in, um, just looking at, at at the pictures of the scene being completely devastated. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a number of those first responders, Alex, were actually dealing with um, a sense of helplessness and hopelessness and not being able to do what what they were sent there to do. At least for those 15 individuals who lost their lives. You
0: know? This was a code yeah. orange, um, which in a in a big city like Toronto would be hard enough to deal with, and it was in a very yeah. rural area. And so, really, it was all hands on deck to deal with. Yes. With the unimaginable, at what point for these first responders will, I think, the shock of what has happened uh, be replaced by, like, how does it work? Does it turn to pain, anger? How does it? How does post-traumatic stress uh, set in?
1: Well, it, it, there is a, a timeline continuum in order to be diagnosed with PTSD. So the, the first action or the, or the first thing that we look at is the, the actual incident itself, the acute stressor. Um, which is the the uh, accident itself, and people will react very differently to crises all based on their own morals and values and beliefs and past life experiences. Um, some of those first responders might be okay two, three days down the road. They've had time to process the event, and um, they're, you know, some of them could be ready to move on. Unfortunately, my illusion is a number of them will still be experiencing a a number of stressors, uh, physical, emotional, uh, cognitive, uh, spiritual, Uh, um, and if those signs and symptoms last longer than 30 days, then that's when, uh, generally speaking, a psychologist or a psychiatrist is able to diagnose post-traumatic stress disorder. But there needs to be that 30-day wait before you can even get that diagnosis. So um, it's very interesting that acute stress disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder, even though they're very similar in nature, what sets them apart is the timeline uh, for the diagnosis, unfortunately.
0: How does it factor in when you've got such a high-profile um, situation where it's in the news all the time, much like your circumstance? It was a news story for a long time, and, and it's, it confronts you all the time. Does that factor in?
1: Very much so, the unfortunate reality, uh, a lot of these first responders come from very, come from very, very small communities. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew many of uh, the men involved in, in this accident, many of the victims. I mean, we uh, should point out off. that the
0: fire department itself is, is a bunch of
1: volunteers. Oh, exactly. You know, so um, coming from these small towns and knowing pretty well everybody in the small town, it, it's, it's hard to get away from. Um, one thing I learned about after the Tema Conter homicide was that I needed to turn off the news. I needed to turn off the TV and the radio and not read the newspapers because it was just overwhelming all the media attention it got. But for a lot of these first responders, you know, they can try to turn off the media as much as they want, but uh, they're, they're going to be affected by this because I'm sure, again, within a small when, when we look at, for example, the Humboldt, it's only, it only has a population of 5,000 people. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're going to know people and, and it's, the whole community's going to struggle with this for, unfortunately, years to come.
0: And so when someone has post-trauma like yourself, mm-hmm. does it get triggered then when you see other incidents like what you're watching unfold?
1: It can. They can. And, and it's not necessarily the images. What it usually is are, are the sounds and the smells um, and the sights, obviously, of what they see. Um so, it and it's just not, um, those images and smells and sounds don't dissipate rather quickly. And unfortunately, some of those triggers can last for years.
0: And so what would be happening in the coming days and months as far as support?
1: Well, that's what we're trying to figure out with, you know, what what's happening in Saskatchewan. Normally speaking, a lot of the services um, that we're aware of uh, do have what we call peer support teams but when you're working within a small community your peers are affected as well so what they really need to be doing in saskatchewan is bringing in peer support peer support from outside their communities and bringing in other first responders who are able to provide that emotional and psychological support for, for the front line um... at the same time they're really going to have to look at bringing in and, and, and enhancing the, the capacity of the communities to deal with the mental health issues although i need to bring in social workers and psychologists um, just to deal with the aftermath.
0: That is Vince Savoia who, you know, traded in his career as an EMS first responder to help others who have PTSD is with Tima and it's a, it's a fascinating process and there'll be a lot of this kind of um, support for a lot of people in this tiny town. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.